0: Welcome to Coffee with Valanda. Coffee with Valanda, the podcast where you get to listen in as I meet new people, hear their stories, and we get to grab some tips. So get your tea or your coffee, and let's get stuck in. Welcome back to Coffee with Fernanda, and I'm so excited to be joined by Tanya Obeng. Tanya, I would really love it to, if you could just let people know a bit about yourself. Oh,
1: brilliant. Thank you. First of all, it's lovely to be on your show here today. I love the name. I love the idea <laughs> of the virtual coffee, and I'm ready. I've got my coffee here. Right. Um <laughs> fantastic but yeah so basically my brand is communication doctor so I actually call myself Tanya the communication doctor and what it's about is what it says on the tin communication uh but what I look at is helping people to find that authenticity within themselves and to just be themselves so it's not about being the perfect speaker I don't I actually feel there is such thing um I never did a public speaking course years ago, and I had to actually unlearn everything that I have learned just to be myself. But it's just about communication used through your body, through your eyes, through connection, and just about connecting with people. So what I do is help people to unlock that throat chakra, because I do a lot of work Mm -hmm. with chakras, so they can release any blocks or any tension in their body so they can feel comfortable enough to speak their truth, and to approach their, um, you know, to approach their CEOs or if they're business owners, to approach their clients, just so they feel confident to say what they really want to say. Okay, so that's what communication doctor is all about. And I run a course called "Unlock Your Creativity," which is marriage of creativity and communication because we have to kind of unlock what's within us, and that is our creativity to open ourselves up to create. So it's about bringing all the fusion of the creativity, spirituality and communication to the floor.
0: Well, that is what we like to hear, because I think, especially for me, myself, I've been on a real learning journey of um, going from being, you know, as you're younger, you kind of just yourself because you don't know what else to be really. Um, and then, you know, you like what you're saying, you go on so many courses, you are around so many different people with so many different skills and, you know, you start thinking, what should I actually be like? So, you know, it's a real learning process to find your own authenticity. But, you know, Tanya, I've been thinking about how people are just complicated. And by complicated, there's there's an element of really, you know, you never really know where you stand with people, but in the same sense, is that necessarily a bad thing? Or is it just something that we, as people, often expect ourselves to, we hold other people to such a high regard that it becomes detrimental? I don't know. I've just been thinking around that area.
1: That's really interesting. Because um, I suppose in some ways, yes, people are complicated. And in some ways, no. Um, I think rather than use the word complicated, I'd use the word difference. Mm-hmm. Or that we are all very different. And... A lot of my training, I look at archetypes and different people's archetypes and Mm -hmm. personality tests. I do, and I like numerology, so I'm constantly with my work looking at differences. And once you understand people's differences, you can see how people work together. Mm -hmm. So let's just take um, astrology for example. Let's just you know we have people who are air signs, fire signs, earth signs, and If you put all all together and you understand the emotional energy of the water sign and you understand the intellect of the air sign and you understand, I don't know, the stability of the earth and you understand the ego of the fire, you'll understand how they complement each other. Mm-hmm. And a lot of personality tests are actually based on astrology, but they just don't say it because there's a lot of stigma as well <laughs> with regards to that. And also people who are religious may not like that sort of energy, but a lot of those personality tests are based on that sort of energy. So when you're putting a team together, it's about looking at having, let's say, someone who's on of an earth energy who's going to be like hardworking and the, the stability, that's looking for the stability and the security. Mm-hmm. But sometimes they may be very fixed on an idea. And then bringing in the air for the intellect, bringing in the fire for the inspiration, and then bringing in, you know, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just making this up here, but <laughs> looking at all the different elements that a person has to build a really good team. Because everybody complements everyone in a team, and on a one-to-one, it's looking for what the differences are. And I feel as if, as an individual, if you are not afraid of your differences, mm-hmm. and you're not afraid of your shadow, let's say, i well, we to use that word as well, then you can operate from a different level in terms of working with other people and embracing their differences rather than seeing it as confusion or complication. Does that make mm-hmm. sense?
0: That's really interesting. And you know, you remind me of this one time. So I was doing a, my cousin came up to me, and she's like, let's do this personality test, the 16 personalities. And it was so funny, because, um, you know, I think when we did it, because there's so many different personality types that you can get. And I got a campaigner, and she was just like, That's so convenient. You're always trying to get some people to do something for the greater good. And then, like, um, <laughs> the personality of my cousin is really somebody who's, you know, here for a good time. So, you know, like, if I ever know that I want to go do something fun and I want to do it now and I haven't given anybody sh- enough notice, I know that if I ask my cousin, she'll just be down. You know, she's here for it. But, In doing so, when we did her personality test, conveniently enough, she got the personality of an entertainer. And what was really quite nice is I thought to myself, no wonder we complement each other because one brings a sense of stability, let's get things done, and the other one brings a sense of while we're getting things done, you know, what can we enjoy, what can we celebrate in those moments? And it's just a really nice energy that kind of comes to it. But it can be scary for other people to feel like, okay, you know, I'm different
1: and I want to let my
0: differences out.
1: Yeah, that that can be scary. Um, I think that's a journey for most people, because I feel that's more about the conventional and the unconventional. Um, And I suppose, as you know of me, I I think I'd be described from my work and the things that I do as unconventional and I live my life in a very unconventional way. So my struggle has always been to be embraced, mm-hmm. you know, conventional, growing up in a West Indian family. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting what you just said there in terms of personality difference, because that's been my journey. Now I'm very comfortable. I will probably sing out now <laughs> about <laughs> the patient doctor. I do my artwork. And if people look at me like, what is she doing? It's okay. I'm all right with it. I feel like that's your problem, not mine. <laughs> but... It did take a long time for me personally to get to that stage where I was comfortable with myself because I always felt like I need to have a regular job. I need to work nine to five. And actually, the only time that I had a regular job in my life was when I was a teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've had let's say I've had three careers. So my first career was mainly working as a dancer. But when I wasn't dancing, I was working as an aerobics instructor and Pilates instructor. Then I had a major injury at 28 to give you a bit of an idea. Mm-hmm. I changed to become a teacher, and I started teaching dance and drama in mainstream school, and then I left. <laughs> and now set up and companies lifted and gifted. So I've got lifted and gifted, which is my educational company, and also communication doctor. So you could say I've had three different careers in my lifetime already, and I'm only in my 40s. Okay. Mm-hmm. Every 10 years there's been a change. Now looking back there would have been pressure for my parents to just calm down Tanya and just do something where you get a bit of stability but that wasn't who I am it's not who I am Mm. Um, and it was about me trying to embrace myself and say you know what it's okay to try something different it's okay to explore so you know in the last four years I did a course with regards to psychodrama because that's really complementing the work that I'm doing and I'm now Studying further to be a therapist because I want to take that work further to do the work I was doing. So that would be probably like I was going to say the third degree. But at the end of the day, that's because I want to explore that different avenue because of where my life has taken me. But some people, as I'm aware, are not afraid of quite afraid of exploring and they stay in their nine to five job and they may be in that nine to five job for the whole of their life. And that's their choice. I'm not looking at that in the negative way. But I feel it's not nice sometimes when you're pushing people to be conventional when actually they want to be unconventional because it's part of who they are. They'll fight it like I was trying to fight it, but it's part of who I am. So it, it takes a lot to get to that stage, i say.
0: I get what you mean because I remember when I was growing up, I've always been, you know, those kids that are just here, there, everywhere. Like, I like to do stuff and to really you know <laughs> it sounds so um generic but that's really it you know immerse myself in learning something new understanding why things are the way they are and I think mm. often enough, I've had teachers who've been like Fernanda if you ask another question if this is what it is it's just like that because that is what it is but to me I'm thinking well why is it like that and why is it the way it is but you know that's just the way that I've always been and um, growing up, my parents used to be like, okay, v, v, you've got exams, you know, why don't you just focus? Why don't you just, just just do this? But I think over time, it came to a point where they realized, yeah, our daughter likes to do stuff. Like, if she's not doing one thing and multiple other things, she's ill. Um, you know, but I think that came with me having to commit to being myself because it could have easily gone the other way of, for example, me thinking, okay, if I'm studying, I must only study. Even though I knew that because of the way that my brain is, I'm an active thinker. It helps me, it gives me a sense of balance to be dabbling in multiple things. But, you know, it's not like that for everybody else. But you mentioned something that got me thinking. And, um, you know, there's some people who do work their nine-to-five, they love their job for 20 years, if, you know, in those situations, is it a case where perhaps, you know, a major career change may not be the best way forward for them, but perhaps embracing a hobby or embracing something that they, you know, have always wanted to do in their spare time or even in their work that they felt like, hold on a second, this would be unconventional to perhaps, you know, suggest the introduction of this policy or suggest that we do our workplace practices a bit different. Like, you know, those situations are sometimes there sometimes, you know, we rarely speak about them because we expect people to, you know, I think as well, you know how sometimes people expect others to be traditional. Mm. I find that people who are creative and dabbling, you know, free in terms of what they go on to do sometimes expect that same level of confidence and freedom and flexibility in others who are more aligned with being traditional.
1: So how do we balance that? Gosh, that's that's a big question there. Um, I think it's all just very, everyone's very different and it's very individual. So as you were talking about people who have done the nine to five job for the majority of their lives, and they're happy doing that, I think it's a brilliant idea to get a hobby, but actually I do have a lot of my clients who are those people <laughs> and they're going for a point that they've approached me because they want something different in their lives yeah. or they've come to a point that they can't speak to their boss about mm. something or they want to progress to a certain point. Um, those are actually, funny enough, Those are like, a lot of those people are my clients and I feel they've come to me because... They want to unlock that creativity in them. And I do a lot of inner child work, if that is the case, because sometimes people are in those jobs, not all the time, but this is is just kind of playing devil's advocate here. So sometimes people are in those jobs because their parents may have had that dream for them. Mm -hmm. And I, I find it a lot within the black and the Asian community as well, you know, for example, I interviewed a lady once actually on my podcast, which is great as well, because you learn even more with a lady who was a lawyer. So it just made me think of you, actually.
0: <laughs> Birds of a feather.
1: <laughs> yeah, she, she was a lawyer, but then she got to her 50s and then she transformed from being a lawyer and then she trained to be a lifestyle coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was something that she just, she just basically wanted to feel like she's helping people. And I, She said she'd helped people all her life as a lawyer, um, but she wanted to be on the other side of that just being the real real kind of nurturer Mm. and kind person that she was. So some people were doing those jobs and she said she got into law because it was what was expected of her from her parents, Um, which is is an amazing career. It's an amazing career to have. I mean, I, I, I always think law is an amazing career. But just to give you that idea of that nine to five or the traditional job, so to speak, or the doctor or the GP, sometimes people are meant to do those jobs. And you can see it's in their DNA and they love it, but they may need a hobby to do and explore something else just to feed their soul from a creative perspective. Or sometimes it might be that someone wants to do wine tasting as a hobby, or I don't know what it is. <laughs> it could be anything. But um, ultimately, I feel we're all very different people, as I said, going, coming back to what we're saying in terms of our differences. So you, you've got to want your soul to experience something different. Go mm-hmm. to a different energy. And some people don't want to experience something different.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Some people want to stay in their bubble because it's where they're comfortable. It's because of what they know. They like the structure in their life. They know that they're going to have, I don't know, an L Grey tea when they get home and two biscuits, or they know that do you know I mean some people are like that? You know, you yeah. read them to the tea. They're going to listen to the same podcast by Ruby Wax. They're going to, <laughs> you know, you could you could picture that kind of personality. And but they're happy within that bubble. And there's others that may be in a similar bubble, but they want to explore more. But they don't know how. And they're pushing or they're looking for something extra. And it might be that they want to do a bike ride. They might want to do the Tour de France. Maybe that would be something that they want to challenge. So. I think we're all That'd very... be different. a challenge for me. I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's what I think, when listen to ourselves, I always say, listen to your intuition and listen to your mind because we know ourselves what we want to explore, what our soul wants to experience. So sometimes you, you might see something and it's like, oh, I've really connected with that. And it could be something that your friend's doing that you're inspired by. It could be your colleague at work's done something and you're thinking... I'd like to do that, and it's not that you're copying them. Your soul wants to experience it, and that's why the universe is allowing you and allowing you to see what you're seeing. And it's not to be afraid of that, because I often hear a lot of people saying, "Oh, won't I be copying that person?" Or "Why are we doing?" I say, "No. Do you want to do it? Do you want to experience it? Then go ahead and do it. It's as simple as that. You know, if your soul wants to experience something, go for it. And if not, you can stay in your bubble. You can stay." Having your own grey tea and your two biscuits, and you're listening to Ruby Wax um, podcast because you're happy, yeah? <laughs> I just made that character up, you know, there's no one that's there. <laughs> just- I was thinking Ruby Wax, I need to think about who that is. <laughs> oh, she's an old, I, I just like, she's kind of, she's a lady that works, she's talking about mental health, but she used to be quite a star in like the 90s. But I'm just using that as an example, do you know what I mean? We're all listening to different, we're all listen, listen to different podcasts, like right now. I'm a real lover of Renee Lodge, mm-hmm. and I like listening to Renee Lodge's podcast, especially around the time of Black Lives Matter. You know, but we're all listening to different things. And then there's another, there's another one about feminists. What's it called? Mm-hmm. What's it called? Is it the Naked Feminist or something? There's 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 lots of great shows, you know, that people like to watch. But you could look at little things like that within a person, you can almost work out a little bit about their personality, which is what the computer does for us now. That's why it mm-hmm. to pop up, don't they? <laughs> In terms mm-hmm. of dating. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just putting the character so you can have an idea as to as to is that you or is that not you if you're listening, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: You got me thinking when you spoke about how, you know, if you want to do that, if it it's what will make you happy, go for it. And that, it, it suggests that there's a sense of courage mm. that comes through the fear of, okay, this is unfamiliar to me. I'm not used to putting myself out there. I'm not used to um, doing all these things, but I'm going to push myself to do it regardless. And sometimes I, that's a big, big step to take, mm-hmm. and a lot take a lot, it, you know, helps towards getting to that step of actually jumping out of your bubble or jumping out of your comfort zone and thinking, you know, I'm going to. Try something that it may not even be extraordinarily new. It could just be adding something to your, to your routine that is unfamiliar mm. or posting a post on LinkedIn about something that you thought, but that to you is a big step because usually you're scared of letting people in and you know letting people see who you are and how you think.
1: That's really interesting. I'm just listening to your language Mm -hmm. and there is what you're saying in terms of you said you could be scared of letting people in to who you really are. Mm -hmm. And I suppose when I talk, I talk about authenticity and I know it can be very different for different people. And a lot of the time we have this facade that we put out to the world and the facade is something that keeps us safe. Yeah. And I feel that in some ways it does apply to some people in some circumstances to have that facade, especially when you're working, sometimes from a professional perspective. Um, but when you're working with loved ones and you're connecting with your in a relationship or connecting with the people around you, connecting with your family, you want to be able to be your authentic self because some people can't switch off mm-hmm. and you don't. So I'm like, no, like you might have friends and you think, I don't, I know this person but I don't really know them. Mm-hmm. You, know, you never have that kind of, and that's because they're creating, or both of you between you and that person would, could be creating a wall between you. So I always say it's about unpicking those layers and looking beneath that. So for example, you said something else about, you know, if you don't want to do something and you may feel that you need to have the courage to do it. If you don't have the courage to do it, it starts asking yourself that question, where does that come from? Mm-hmm. Yeah? So, for, I'll give you an example. So, I am afraid of, I used to, well, I'm still afraid of heights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I went um, on a retreat and with a mountaineer to walk into mountains. It's the worst thing to do with someone that's afraid of heights.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, what?
1: <laughs> so, what? <laughs> so but I knew that I wanted to overcome that. But the more I went deeper into what was that about, and I was thinking it's sometimes it's not so much with regards to the mountains, sometimes it could even be bridges because I'd be afraid of the water and what's beneath the water, how deep the the river is, and all these kind of things will go on in my head. But, But the minute you unpick it and you go through it, You work yourself through, you say, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, it's highly unlikely that I'm going to jump off a bridge (laughs) 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 or it's highly unlikely that I'm going to fall. So you have to kind of retrain your mind and talk yourself through it. But the fear is still there, but you're talking yourself through it because you want to go through the journey to get past that fear. So when I went on that retreat, I did a lovely walk with a lady called Sarah, who's brilliant, like amazing mountaineer. And I walked and I held her hand for a bit when we got to a very steep mountain. I held her hand. I'm a grown woman, you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're like, no, I can't. This is risky. But you
1: kept going. Yeah, exactly. I did did it. I felt amazing when I came back to Flatland.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Glad that's over.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and that's something that's really simple, but that's just a fear of mine, okay, that mm-hmm. like I've just shared with you. But it could be anything. So it's just unpick- unpicking what's beneath that fear or what's preventing you from doing what you really want to do um, or what's creating that wall. Mm-hmm. So it, I think it's deeper than just saying, okay, I've not got the courage to do this. Because mm-hmm. a lot of us may not have the courage to do lots of things, but if we really want to do it, it's a choice. Don't have to do. It. I didn't have to do that. I could have said no. I don't want to do that. <laughs> but then it's going through it and going through it and going through it and asking yourself those questions. And I suppose that's what they do in therapy, and um, that's what hypnotherapy. I do hypnotherapy as well. That's what you do to kind of get to the, the core of what's really going on. Is it a childhood memory that's prevented you from doing something? Sometimes it could be things that have been said to you in your childhood.
2: Mm-hmm. been told yeah.
1: you can't do something as a child and so forth. So. There's many different layers to building the courage to do something that you want to do. It's not just as simple as I don't have the courage.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you said something that really hit home with me. And it's the fact that when you, you know, you went on that retreat, Mm. you know, it was scary, even just kind of the whole experience. But the bit that I just thought "Mm," that one right there was when you said, you know, when you got to a steep bit, you held onto her hand. and. it it really got me thinking about how as people sometimes we feel like if we want to do something we always have to do it alone or we always if we're going to do it with someone it needs to be somebody who we've known for a very long time somebody who is so embedded in our trust in our circle that that's the person I can lean on whereas I found that sometimes when you want to do something something that challenges you and something that you're working towards you know unpicking all those things that are holding you back, having somebody to, you know, help you along the way, even if it's like a small part of that journey goes a long way. And that person doesn't actually have to be somebody who's been in your life for a very long time. It doesn't even need to be, you know, a relative or a friend. Sometimes, I don't know, it could be just somebody who you've met on LinkedIn and, you know, you've just been able to strike up a conversation. Or, um, funnily enough, one of the people that was when I was doing something with my company to talk about, and one of the girls who was really helpful was um, a girl that I had been following on Twitter for a very long time. And, you know, she was able to really support our community in ways that I perhaps would have been, you know, worried about doing that. And the beauty in that was because, you know, when I'm thinking, okay, years ago, and I was like, I want to start this. And I felt nervous. You know, sometimes you don't know the people that are going to be able to give you that helping hand when you need it, even if it's just for that Mm. period that you're at your, you know, the peak of your fear. But at least you would have powered through taking those small individual steps to get to the point where you even need that helping hand in the first place.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's just just, like you say, it's just that support and it's so important to reach out for that support because we came into this world on our own. Yes. But if we're going to build something, whether it is like you say for your business or if it's even building, or working with a family, we do it as a community, don't we? And mm-hmm. as you said, the lady on Twitter that supported you, sometimes I, I actually feel the opposite. Sometimes I feel it can be easier to have some of these conversations and support with a stranger definitely because sometimes I love my family to the bone um but sometimes family can judge you as well Mm -hmm. you know on some levels um and that's not to not I mean I love my family they've been very supportive they're amazing um but sometimes they may have a certain idea of you it's interesting in your life different people have different ideas of you and different perspectives they'll see you in a different light depending on in what context you work with them so especially at work it will be different won't you you're, like you'll they'll see your courage so like for example when I was teaching they'll they're my you know my colleagues would see my leadership skills they see how I could really organize something mm-hmm. then when I'm at home because I'm, I'm the youngest I might sit back a little bit and let you're someone like else community be. baby <laughs> <laughs> you know but that's not about how old you are but when you're the youngest in the family so they don't always have that responsibility but when you're at work, you've got that responsibility. And I think, I've oh, got Tanya's a great leader. She does all this. You know, she organises that trip. I did that trip to Rumbare. You know, we're, we're going to get Tanya to do this. And then at home, it's like, OK, we'll get Tanya to make the salad. <laughs> 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 well, you've got a different hat on. depends on where you are. So sometimes it's quite nice to, if you want to do something, to reach out to people that see you in a professional light like, because you've got a different hat on professionally Mm -hmm. than when you're at home because people sometimes your family may be judgmental without being judgmental in a a negative way but they are seeing you in a certain light and they have an idea about you Do you see what I mean
0: yeah you've really reminded me of a post that I saw on Reddit a while ago and it was saying you know you always want to figure out who am I and but they're like you meet so many different people in your life and none of them will ever be able to tell you who you are because the V that they see from work the V that they see on social media and the V that people who meet you in the shop everyone has a whole different impression of you such that to truly know yourself you'd be looking at the lenses of so many different people that you've come across Mm. and I think you know there's an element of giving yourself, you know, and some grace when you feel like I don't quite know who, who you are, who I am, mm-hmm. because none of us really do. Yeah. And even when we think we know we do, we know who we are, that may not be the, the person we're giving out to the world. So there's so many different things to consider. But um, And you also remind me about my little brother. Um, I'm one of five and um, my young, the youngest one out of the Madani five is <laughs> my little brother. And as he's grown, he's always my mom. So um, I'm Zimbabwean and, you know, the baby in the house or like when somebody has a baby, it's called Moana. And like my mom, she calls all of us by name. And then when it's my little brother who does something, she's like, oh, um, you know, somebody needs to give Moana his food or Moana's outside, he needs a coat. And I'm thinking... One is a big boy now. He can actually walk, you know. He can actually do his own thing. And, like, but I think it really emphasizes your point that sometimes in different spaces you're viewed so differently and there's different elements and levels of responsibility that people will give you. Mm. And, you know, it's actually quite comforting in a way to know that you haven't, as much as you can try to be yourself, you can also just try to be because you don't know how you're being received anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, that, that is the key. You just have to be who you are, just be. Um, and who you are is different depending on what space you're in, mm-hmm. what you just said, which is, which is what we've both just said. And I think that's what it is really, just being an acceptance of that hat that you're wearing when you're in that space. Mm -hmm. what do
0: you think has helped you um kind of step into this phase of you know I just want to be not even I just want to be authentic but I am going to be my authentic self and whoever that is then that's great and if they receive it then that's cool if they don't that's their personal problem it's actually one of my favorite phrases that one but um genuinely what do you think have been things that have helped you arrive to this point in
1: your journey you know what, on reflection, when I've done therapy myself, because I you know I do the psychodrama, but before I got to this stage, I've actually seen therapists myself, and it's been great in terms of you're talking to them, they're reflected, and then you start reflecting and having a look at yourself and thinking, okay, what have I done? So I looked back at myself and I realized that I'm a bit of a fighter. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you an example. So when I was at university, I was studying dance and we had a Pilates teacher. I won't mention her name years ago. She was nice, but not nice. Because, <laughs> um, you know, when you, when you study dance, Pilates was kind of an element of it. And I said, I'd really like to do a course when I leave here, because I was in my last year at uni. I'd really like to do a course to teach Pilates. And the teacher said to me, I don't even know if it's a racist thing looking back actually, because I was an only black girl also at the, on the course that I was on. And she said to me, I don't think that would suit your personality, Tanya. I feel that you'll be better as an aerobics teacher, that's what she said. I was like, okay. Um, but in my mind, because she told me I could do something really in a nice way, as soon as I left, I mean, I worked with Charlotte Vincent for a year, and I, we, we, we did some dancing with her, and we toured. And then I went to London Contemporary School, which is the place, which is known as the place in Houston. Mm-hmm. And I did my year, and I trained to become a Pilates instructor, mm-hmm. yeah? And I taught at the Waldorf Hotel. I taught home place. Taught loads, and I had back to people coming to my classes back to back, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I had queues, people on the waiting list. I had to for me it was just I had to prove to myself even more so that I could do it because all I could hear in my head was a woman telling me that I'd be better suited to aerobics Mm -hmm. um (laughs) so it's proving to my to her that I could do it so and that and I've got loads of stories like that in terms of in my life where people have told me Tanya you can't do this or Tanya maybe you'd be suited to this and it had I think Part of it could be down to racism in looking when I look back into certain circumstances because they have a vision of me and what they feel I could do. Um, mm-hmm. But not necessarily in all cases, but I think a lot of it's unconscious bias. But mm-hmm. often people are told what that what people tell people what they should do, what they think they should do, or they see them in a certain light. So for example, I said, no know, train to dancer, then a teacher, now I'm doing therapy. People could say, oh what well, that's they're totally different worlds, you know? Mm-hmm. But if I want to do something or experience it, my, the fight in me always wants to prove. And I feel that goes back to trying to prove to my parents, actually. I think it goes back to that. And probably part of being, again, I come back to being the youngest because we look at in therapy, you look at where you are in the family, mm-hmm. how that affects you, how that impacts you. And there's lots of books on it. Even Brene Brown talks about um, being an overfunctioner or an underfunctioner. Sometimes it depends on where you fall in the family or what your family dynamic is. Um, so basically, when you look at it deeper, and you analyze yourself, I looked back at maybe tr- trying to be the, um, the child that way to prove to my parents that I could do X. Mm. Yeah. And that's and when I realized that I could let go of it. Yeah. You know, but for yeah. my life I was doing that, you know, trying to prove that. So that's how I got to that point. And I feel sometimes we don't actually see ourselves, do we? no we reflect because we don't and that and interesting you mentioned the, the um 16 personality test I also love the Myers-Briggs test mm-hmm. and what was interesting is um how I came out in the Myers-Briggs test and I asked my husband to do the Myers-Briggs test for me as me because it be it's totally interesting I came out as the inspirer from him and when I did it myself, I came out as the feeler, was it sort of the feeler or all So how I saw myself and how he saw me was a little bit different. And that's sometimes really interesting to do with people that are close to you that's because they can see a different side because you feel you know yourself, which is good. But when someone's really close to you, they may see you in a slightly different light. And that may be interesting for you to see yourself as well, mm-hmm. you know, as well. So that, 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 those are all learning things or, I'd, I'd say, things we could have a look at.
0: I totally agree, and you know, you reminded me of a story of my own, whereby, you know, when it comes to law, um, there was a lady. I was at an event, and she really, this lady, she was a judge, and it was a mooting um, competition where essentially you're pretending you're in a court. It was really fun, and I went there with my friend, and one of the judges later on. I was just minding my business, you know, eating my snacks. And everybody was networking, but, you know, I'm getting myself ready for that by eating the snacks. And she came up to me and I thought, oh, this is so nice. The judge just coming to talk to me. And then she was just like, oh, what do you want to be? I was like, commercial law. She was like, oh, it's in that magic circle, big law firms type of thing. And I said, yes. And then she said to me, oh, that's a shame. She was like, you know, as a black woman, you do realize you're at the bottom of the scale. Wow. And then, you know, she, she then told me that, you know, I'm right at the bottom because it's white men, white women, Asian men, Asian women, you know, black men. Um, and then she named literally all of the demographics. And then right at the bottom, she was like, and then black women. And she was like, as well, you know, if they do interview you, it will just be a tick box exercise, honestly. Like, you might as well just stick to the small firms, You know, the high street ones where there's people like you. And she was just like, I'm just telling you this because I care. Yeah. I just I I really care and I want you to make the best decision for me. My friend was next to me and um she told my friend, my friend was crying at this point and she was like, Why are you crying? And my friend was white and blonde and she was like, well, Why are you crying? Are you guys friends? And she's like, Yeah. And then my the lady was like, That's a shame as well. Because you're going to get a job before Venanda. It's going to be at a bigger firm than Venanda. And then you're going to have to cut her off because she just won't be the same social calibre as you. But, you know, it's a good thing that you guys are friends now. I'm just being honest. And, you know, for a long time, I ignored that. And you ignore something, you ignore something. And then after I'd been doing quite a few applications, it really hit me. And I was like, maybe that lady was right. Maybe that lady was right. But then I had to unpick. And realize that, hold on a second, I'm not even trying to go for big law firms because I'm trying to prove anything to her. I'm not trying to go for these big law firms because, you know, I'm, you know, sometimes it feels like when black people try to do something, it's because they're trying to break social barriers. And I was like, no, at the core of it, I want to go there because, you know the offices are pretty and I like nice buildings I really like skyscrapers I don't know what it is but I just absolutely love skyscrapers the second thing is I really like suits and you know it just makes sense to wear some to go somewhere where I can wear my suits. and the most important reason I was just like I'm smart like I, I genuinely like it took me a while to, to come to an acceptance that I was actually intelligent and before I used to say you know I have to really work hard to be intelligent. And my mom was just like, you need to stop that because, you know, you're actually capable. And I think, you know, getting to a point where I made that decision that in spite of all the rejections, I'm doing this because I know that if I was to get into one of these firms, I would enjoy myself. And I would enjoy it because I'd be doing something where my brain is moving. I'm an inquisitive person. Person and all lawyers do is ask questions and solve problems. So I think when I stripped it back and stopped thinking about how the world would view me or how people are putting their own expectations on me, it made that journey towards continuing that process so much easier. Because, you know, when you're doing something for you and not because you're trying to prove something to the world, that's when you start to have fun with it. And, you know, Even when I did go to an interview, I didn't look at it like, oh, if if I get rejected, it was a tick box exercise. I was like, okay, cool, practice. That's cool. Like, I'm getting to practice and meeting new people and I'm learning. And eventually when I did get into one of the biggest fans in the world, you know, you just look at it and think, who would have thought, you know? And it's quite nice to be able to get there at a stage where, you know, I'm even grateful that I didn't get it first time around because I got there at a stage where, i had almost you know been confident had that confidence knocked and then had to build myself back up but had to do it in my own way on my own terms and I appreciate that and you know on that note it kind of brings me to just the last bit for the people listening at home
1: Tonya sorry I have to interrupt sorry because (laughs) the story that you just told me that lady um in terms of cultural intelligence, also just in terms of you know law, she should not be working. Mm-hmm. Um, did you report that? Did you say anything about what was said? Because for me, that I mean, looking back, that especially to say that so blatantly to you, I, I, that, I mean, I know what I've been through is disgusting. I look back in his years, but mm-hmm. it's absolutely disgusting that she thought that she could say that to you. Exactly. And be aware of that. You know
0: yeah. what um, makes me upset is at the time I was really sad about it, mm. and um, I think I went and told you know um, a one my my tutor who, like you know who I felt like I can trust him. Yeah, um, I told him, and he was just like, you know, you should report this. And yes, I I was just like, I I I, I think I was really scared, but you know what, what I really appreciated was that. My teacher, even though he wasn't black, he was white and a male he was like, "You know, even if you're scared, I will report it for you on your behalf if that is what you want. Do you get what I mean And for me, that spoke volumes because you know sometimes, especially at that stage, I think I was what um nineteen mm-hmm. um you know, you can feel like if I speak out about injustice they're going to hold it against me. If I say something, it's going to be held against me. But to know that, you know, you're supported and that there are other people who actually are willing to essentially put themselves on the line for your greater good, like that for me, it just, it really helped a lot. But I think in spite of it all, that fear of, because this was before all the Black Lives Matter stuff, that fear of, well, I've never heard of anybody who reports people who do this kind of thing. It was just a lot. And I just thought to myself, you know, I don't want to say anything. Oh. I just, I'm happy to just, you know, like, I just don't want to go there again. Mm. And in hindsight, I wish I would have reported it because who knows what she's saying to other people.
1: Yeah, that she's still working now. But I, I think it's good that you've spoken so openly about it just today on the podcast.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's, it's it's really one of those things where. You know, you sometimes feel like, oh, maybe if I'd reported it, she wouldn't be terrorizing other people because she would actually be terrorizing me. But, you know, I think we live and we learn. And going forward, it's I think my awareness of growth and my sense of, you know, I am my voice matters. And if I feel like something's injustice, I am justified enough to be able to flag that. That has been a really big learning experience for me. So, Yeah. For any future people who want to terrorise me, we report things now.
1: young, um. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, it's harder, uh, mm-hmm. and that's why it's nice to look back now and reflect, and to speak, and to like like you just did to almost lift it off of your shoulders and tell other people because mm-hmm. um, it will help other people that probably if they are going through something like that to speak up because I think there's a lot of us as black people who have been silent about things that have been said to them that mm. should not be said, you know, and are and a, a totally wrong dis, and discouraging, really, you know, um, and your tutors are there to empower you as a student not to make you feel like you're not good enough, mm-hmm. you know. Disgusting, really. But, yeah, so I'm glad you've spoken about it today. So I'd as you're moving on, I just wanted to just acknowledge what you said.
0: No, thank and you so much. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, what would be your final tips?
1: You know what? It's interesting because we're talking about story. I, I love the power of story, and I also do a podcast called Real Stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love speaking to people and working with people about their story. But I've got a great quote here from lovely Michelle Obama. Can I leave you with this quote? Yes, please. It and um, it's from actually what I really love because you now I love journaling. I've always done. I've journaled all my life. Mm-hmm. Actually. And it's something that I encourage my clients to do. And I could not, I got so excited when Michelle Obama released her book, Becoming. And then she released this, which is, uh, probably can't see because of my background, but it's um, a journal. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a journal and it kind of takes you through, um, so you can journal yourself and it's brilliant. So if you want to have it, go and get it, go and definitely get it. So in this journal, it basically says it looks at struggles and it says your story is the most powerful part of who you are the struggles, the failures, successes, and everything in between. Remember always to stay open to new experiences and never let the doubters get in the way. And it's so funny. I I had this by me. It's also intuitively I knew what was going on because it was so fitting for what we've just spoken about today. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel that's kind of a a good way to end the show in terms of to never let the doubters remind that again never let the doubters get in the way because that will prevent you from pushing forward
0: and you know I can't even add to that that is literally you know it's something that you need to hear whether you're in the peak of your career or struggling at this time you know you always have doubters but they can doubt but they don't have to bring you down and on that note, thank you so much, Tanya, for joining me. Where
1: can people who are listening find you? Well, I'm, quite, I'm easy to Google, right? <laughs> <laughs> so if you yeah. Google Tanya Communication Doctor, you'll find like my podca- podcast is called Real Stories. If you want to go to my website, it's communicationdoctor.co.uk. Um, and you can send me a message. You can email me. Or if you want to find me on LinkedIn, it's Tanya Obey. Um, Yeah, so I'm quite easy to find in that way. So just look up Communication Doctor.
0: Okay, fab. Thank you so much for joining me today, Tanya.